Hello, everybody, and welcome to this week's episode of RealCom Live. As usual, we got a great show for you this week. Um, uh, as I have done in the past, I'm going to try to pick one or two words to describe this show um, critical. Um, we're going to be talking about access control and all the web uh, webs that it spins and all the tentacles that it has um, from the old days of using keys to open locks to some of the most sophisticated electronics the world's ever seen. And if you think about it, um, access control, getting people into a building, so many implications, health implications like we saw during COVID, security imp implications where we see in, in some cities where the crime is a little bit higher. Um, we've got uh, demographic or uh, statistical information that we're looking for to determine how many people are in that building. So it, it goes way beyond just getting people into the building safely and efficiently. Uh, it's really the entry point to a, a treasure trove of data uh, and other processes that, that turn this into a very complicated process, um, as you're going to hear uh, in the next 20 to 30 minutes. So we have got three really, really credible, um, smart, successful professionals to join us today to talk about this topic. And it's not just that they work for big brands and run big buildings. They've been at this for a long time. They're risk takers. They're pragmatic. They know how to do trial and error. They've seen real estate technology go through various cycles. They've got a lot of experience, which in this changing, in these quickly changing times with technology changing and circumstances changing, it's always good to have level-headed experience at the helm. And that's what we got today. So let's bring on our three guests. We got Nick Stello, SVP IT of Infrastructure for Bernardo, Joe Rich, SVP and CIO for Related, and Alonzo Carr, CTO from Car Properties. Guys, so good to see you. How are you? Hey, Jim. Good, how are you? Hopefully by now we've all recovered from Thanksgiving, right? Uh, a few extra miles on the treadmill and uh, and back at it, right? So right. Um, um, we, we chose the three of you to speak on this topic um, for very specific reasons. <clears throat> As I mentioned in the opening, number one, uh, because you've been at it a while, right? You know, access control, okay, yeah, getting people in the building, simple topic, not so much, right? Uh, as we're going to talk about. But I, I believe that, you know, having a great deal of experience, not just technically, but experience over time, practical business experience, really lends itself to this conversation. Because putting a key in a lock, as we're going to talk about, quickly has evolved to something far greater, right? Keys in locks, electronic locks. Now those electronic locks, part of bigger ecosystems, big data, uh, interoperability, locks talking to other pieces of equipment. You know, when we talk about it in the smart building perspective, it, it's gotten pretty crazy, right? So what I'd like to do, maybe Nick, we'll start with you. Just give a little bit of your background, you know, your title and, and you know, how long you've been mm -hmm. at the company, a little bit about Fornado, and then quickly, where are you in today's world of access control? And, you know, where does Fornado stand and, and, and what is it seeing? Sure. Sure. So um, hello, everyone. And, and Jim, thanks for um, having me on this panel. I think it's really important and uh, interesting. So Nicholas Stello, Senior Vice President of Technology with Infrastructure Technology at Vernado. Um, I was afraid you were going to ask how long I've been here. I've been here for 25 years. Um, but, it, you know, it is, it is. I started when I was 12. So um, <laughs> uh, I've been here for a while. And really, you know, through that time, we've really seen the maturation of, of technology coupled with access control. Um, and, you know, our team here um, in corporate works very closely hand in hand with our brethren, our uh, New York operations team, 
that um, you know help us implement and actually implement the technology that we uh, we we provide to our our portfolio. And it's been a uh, it's definitely been a growing need and focus, um, you know, all the way from marketing to senior executives. So being there 25 years, do you remember the day when you saw that first electronic key card? I do. Yeah, I still have my original um, card when uh, you, you needed a picture in order to show your picture uh, to get into the building at our corporate office in New, in New York. I'm in New Jersey, and I still have that card uh, as a memento. And that was our technology back then, a long time ago. Yep, absolutely. Joe? Hi, Jim. I'm Joe Rich, EVP and CIO at Related Companies. Uh, we're a New York-based owner-operator and developer of commercial and multifamily uh, residential real estate. And um, I've been in and around uh, access control for 20-plus years. Um, like Nick, I don't want to say exactly how long, but it's been a while. So, um, I, I understand it, but it has changed dramatically, uh, over, over the years. And, and Jim, I think part of my comments today will be when you say data, the first thing I think of is cybersecurity. Right. We need to secure as, as landlords, our first and foremost, um, role is really protecting our, our, our clients data and, um, the the turnstiles are are like the first point of that it's 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 entry it's used every day and it's public right yeah and and like you said cyber is one component of it privacy is another one and and you know interoperability right. um data accuracy data integration yeah i mean and we're gonna we're, we're gonna get to that question like you know in access control what are the layers but let's hold off and that elon give a, a brief intro and then we'll get into some of the questions I'm Ilan Zakar. I'm CTO for Car Properties. Uh, I've been with Car for six and a half years. Uh, I've been doing this for the last 23 years. Uh, but um, my exposure to access control is really what since I uh, joined Car, we're an owner operator of office buildings in the DMV, uh, Boston, and Austin, Texas area. And I got into the access control just because um, it, we saw access control a little bit more than just opening the door. Um, we saw it as a carrot inside of our mobile application, as well as a big uh, provider of data analytics, which I'll show later uh, on, uh, on on what we can do with data uh, and how much access control helps us with that. So, I mean, predominantly your your careers are IT based and, and access control is more operational. Do you remember the first time as an IT professional that somebody knocked on your door and said, hey, I got some questions or, hey, can you help me out? Has that been recently? Was that a long time ago? Um, Joe, we'll start with you on this one. I want to say it was the first time we started putting in the, the, the turnstiles and they needed connectivity for uh, HID readers plus uh, visitor uh, registrations. I, th I think it was a barcode at the time. And how do we tie that together with the access control system, which basically operated as each independent systems. And now for the first time, we were trying to put them together. Right. Um, and and that's re really been my first, uh, how we started it. But it's How it's long ago was ballpark? The first time uh, you, you were asked to get involved in this conversation? 2002, for 2002. very good reasons. Okay, in New York. got it. Totally get it. Alon, how about you? I mean, when was the first time you really started you know, digging into this topic? 
So we, we so two twofold. One, when we did our converge network, converted all of our buildings into a converge network environment, which is like four years ago, uh, where security almost fell into the into the lap of IT, uh, security of the building, the physical security. Uh, but then at the same time, uh, I'm going to say five years ago, when we were looking at our big data and our mobile application that we were starting to build. Um, we realized that we needed access control as the carrot to download our application because no one would really use our application if we don't have something that almost mm -hmm. forces you to use it. So for us, the, our mobile application is an amenity of the building. So because of that, access control was an integral part of it. And that's when we became involved. Okay. Nick, how about you? Well, you know, we've, we were um, years ago, um, you know, operating the properties with, uh, you know, it's it's incredible. I, I said that card is that was the technology back in the day, right? The last ten years, it's grown exponentially, and it's grown exponentially in terms of, yes, cyber and data, but it's grown exponentially with partnerships between all of the different departments uh, within Vernado in terms of marketing and operations, right? Operations and IT um, work very closely hand in hand to deliver what um, you know, the, the, the folks here at Vernado want to uh, provide our tenants. Uh, and again, I'd say the last 10 years, it's really, has, it's grown exponentially in, in, in terms of what we've done in, in the properties. But prior to that, it was, uh, you know, the IOT was just a, another part, was another system, was another network that, you know, admittedly we didn't pay that much attention to way back when, and now it's basically, it's a large part of what we do every day. So let's talk about, not to get too technical, but just a, as a framework, um, the the um, infrastructure or the, the structure of what it takes to make access control work, just like in, in the in the compute model, you know, you've got communication, you've got operating, you've got application data, maybe a little too technical for, for some of our audience. But in my viewpoint, when I look at access control, you absolutely have a communication layer, right? Meaning, you got to plug that device, whether it's a turnstile or a camera or something, into something, right? So it's either an RJ45. In the old days, it was an RS232, uh, you know. And now we're talking, you know, wireless capabilities, and we're going to have a little bit of a conversation about all the wireless technologies involved in access control. So you got communication, operating, maybe application, multiple different layers, right, to get the the data out of the system into a middleware system, which we're going to talk about a little bit later. And then ultimately into your applications, your your occupant application, occupant experience apps, and then you know into possibly other systems, right? So that's pretty complex. And then of course you got the data that flows, and then you got the presentation layer, the screens and what have you. So is that is that fair to say that to make access control work in today's modern world, you have to be fairly astute and understand a lot of different technologies? Is that a fair statement, Elon? We'll start with you. I would say yes, um, because there is the, you know, you, you talked about the, you know, the, the simple layer about it, right? But you may have a mixed layer in the middle too with multiple vendors. We have one of our projects, for example, that wasn't compatible, that wanted to have one credential to our customer, uh, you know, across the entire, for their, for their employees. So we had to change the hardware in the building. So now you've got readers and credentials that are from one brand while this underlying system of the building being a completely different company 
integration between the two of them have to happen. And that's before we even talk about the integration to the customers themselves. This is just operating the building itself. And at that point, you lose all your development, all of your construction, all of your operations people. That's when they knock on the door and they said, without you, we can't do this. And that's where, you know, it, it becomes much more complicated. And then you start talking about Apple wallets and Bluetooth, exactly. BLE and near field yeah. communications and you want you chips and universal wideband and, and, and changing technologies. It gets a little crazy. Joe, well, I mean, are you seeing? Go ahead, Joe. Yeah, I think I think, Jim, it, it also is, is driven by our, our customers. Right. Like if 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 it was up to, I think, us, um, we'd still be using the card with the picture on it. Right. <laughs> but we'd also have empty buildings. Right. Our, our right. customers are, are demanding us to move forward with, with the technology. And um, they want things like being able to open the turnstiles seamlessly with either biometric or with their phone. They, they want to know that their information is secure and private. Um, and, and they audit us on, on these things now. So hmm. it, it, is, it, is very, it is very different uh, environment. Yep. And Nick, how about you? I mean pretty crazy yeah. technology yeah it is and and you know i going back to what joe said i mean took the words right out of my mouth you know it, it it depending on it really comes down to what's what's the need right and i wrote three things jim when when, when you had brought up that question it's it's data it's control and security right there's a lot of heavy um you know interaction and integration between various different parts of the systems both physical and the application layer and you know we keep talking about a frictionless entry Right. In order to do that, in order for folks to walk up with their phone and either with their phone or facial recognition, there's a lot of back end integration that really needs to, to occur is what, why I think we have jobs right now in, in terms of putting that together. But it is not straightforward. Um, and I definitely agree. You know, there are tenants that are asking us to lean over the tips of our skis just a little bit and and be a little bit more progressive in this technology and again frictionless entry is is what we're after well and and, and for the audience let's just talk about that at a real basic level you got a let's call it a 200,000 square 300,000 square foot building okay so you as the landlord got your systems and your applications to get people in and out of the common spaces but then you got a tenant who takes 70% of the space Okay, so they're they're they have a pretty you know strong voice at the table, and and they're a big corporation, and they've got their own systems that they use in your building as well as all the other buildings they lease out. So now you've got to figure out a way to integrate the landlord system to the tenant system, make it seamless, uh, and 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 then standardize to some extent. That that's that's a big puzzle. Mm -hmm. And uh, and I think Elon, you were you were talking about that earlier, you know, with with one of your tenants and, and what that in, entailed. Yeah, we had a we have a customer that uh, our, the technology and a brand new development that didn't work for them. So and they told us down the line that you know that that they wanted to integrate and they were too big of a customer for us to say no. So we ended up having to change the, all the readers and the credentials to be in a completely different brand. But we already signed the contract with the security provider, so we have to. We still have the, the back end uh, system that has to stay there. Um, and then they had to write an integration between the two of them uh, and all that as because the customer wanted that. And, and so we have to keep on doing that. We had another another building where we had the system in place and they came in and said, well, we have now something different. And we had to come up with a, a bolt on on the existing solutions to enable the credentials uh, from two different systems. So, again, the customer drives it. 
So let's say you started with one system and then you had a, a big tenant come in and say, that's not going to work. We need this. So you change the system for that one tenant who represents 75% of the space. Does the 25% or the other tenants now use that system of that large tenant or are they still using your original? It depends when they come in. Most cases, they the, the you sign the, con, the, the big tenant before that. So when the other customers come in, they don't necessarily define for you what their standard is, but they ask you what is in the building and they adapt <laughs> to whatever you have in the building. And, so, and also realize, Jim, if I may, you know, if there's a if there's a single tenant that has 75 percent of the available space, they may have their own entry, their own turnstile that might be different than the building that is serving everyone else. And, uh, you know, that's a possibility as well. But then they get to the elevator, Nick, right? They get to the elevator and the elevator is a destination dispatch. And now, even though they had their own turnstile, which is aside from yours, now they get to the destination dispatch and they pre present their credential, but that's my system now. That's not their system. Right. right. So that's, yeah. You need to have that Correct. connection. That's right. And I think a really important point in all of this is these integrations that we're talking about are not trivial. These are yeah. not just taking one SQL database and moving data to another. These are between yeah. systems that really, some of them were never meant to integrate with anything. And right. so you're really, and it's not a one-time thing. It, this has to be done all the time, real time. Thing, and it's also the, the ongoing maintenance is also not trivial. You have to monitor the, the data transfers between both in both, both directions all, all the time, which is you know, usually additional costs as well. Exactly. All right, let's take a brief break. And when we come back, Ilan's going to show us uh, some of his uh, graphs kind of giving you a visual understanding of the kind of data flows that are taking place and the kind of insight that you can get out of these systems. So we'll be right back. All right. Um, since we're trying to attack a, a pretty complex problem in, you know, 20 minutes or less, um, let's, they say a picture's worth a thousand words. So Alan, you were showing and presenting some information in our uh, prep for this call. Uh, uh, and um, it, it really kind of said a lot in a very short amount of time. So why don't you take us through the scenario? So can you see my screen now? Uh, not yet. There we go. Yes, we can. Okay. So uh, a little bit about the story about what access control does for us, you know, during COVID it helped us with, uh, you know, getting our cleaners into space or not out of space, which saved us a lot of money. At the same time, uh, we managed to control our HVAC system based on understanding who's in the building. But just to tell you the story about returning back into our building. So this is one building and you're looking at access control starting from January all the way to, um, the beginning of November, the dotted line is is, a, is an active month. Um, but if you look at it, it actually tells a story of, you know, back where we were, like, you know, the maximum we had was 1,290 people, then COVID hit, it dropped, we had a little bit up, ups and downs, then Delta, Delta came and we had another drop and then we started seeing a rise, then Omicron came uh, and now we're seeing a rise coming back. So this is a story of what access control tells us. But then our CEO came in and said, well, let's benchmark one person for 300 square feet. And again, it's just a number, right? We can use other numbers too. So we did that and we said, okay, at a maximum capacity, we can only have 1,430 people in the building. And we really said that when we had the most amount of people that we ever had was 1,290 because you're never really going to have 100% inside of your building. Then we approached our asset management and I said, well, okay, can we adjust for vacancy? Can we actually understand what is, when was our building really at 100%? And we can see here that when our building was at 95% occupancy, we had 1,290 people coming into the building. 
Today, we actually, we're at a 78% occupancy in this building, but we can see that there is 1,009 people. So really when you think about it, we may be in a better position now as we were before COVID or during COVID itself. Then you say, okay, now we went and we asked our customers, what would be the maximum amount of people that would be, that can be in the building uh, in your space at any given time. And again, this number is a little bit skewed because we only started this later in 2022, but our, this is what our customers came back and said that the maximum amount of people that can be inside of their space. So now let's adjust the baseline that we set 300 square feet with our vacancy. And really now we're saying this is where, you know, this is our, our, our one to 300 with the existing occupancy within the building, within the building. So at 1,112 would be the maximum amount of people and we're having, and we're at 1,009. So if we clicked on the, the return, uh, now the numbers get a little bit skewed because that says that we are really at 97% return into the building and that's not true. But that is because we're looking at the data on a monthly basis, where really we should be looking at the data on a weekly basis. And when we look at the data on a weekly basis, we see that you know that we are now at a 65% return rate back into the building. And again, that takes the entire week. We can argue that Monday and Friday are very low days and Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday are the high days. But this really, the, the picture shows you what access control really, really does to us and really explains to us where we are within, uh, within, the, uh, within the cycle of coming back into the office. So to me, extraordinary, first of all, I mean, you know, who would have thought that when you really looked at occupancy, which is leased space versus unleased space, which is different than utilization, that when you look at that leased space correlation with actual utilization, you're actually doing better today than you did pre-pandemic. Mm -hmm. see, see, that's insight that you don't get unless you start digging into the data that these simple little turnstiles are spewing. And we can argue, you know, you're, you're more, you're spending less time in the office, but you get counted, you know, you can be coming in for like one hour, two hours, you still get counted as if you're there for the entire day or, but again, it still gives you an insight and understanding where, where did you think beforehand that access control is actually going to give you that level of detail to be able to understand your, your, your usage of your building. All right. So there's there's at least two or three more topics that I wanted to get to um, that we're not going to have time. So maybe if I could just ask you guys, will you be willing to come back in a few months where we can continue to dig deeper? That's question number one. So with that, let's wrap up, um, if we could. Nick, what, what do you say to I mean, you guys are all in big companies, sophisticated departments. You got some resources. What do you say to the average person or what advice would you give to the average maybe mid-sized building owner who, who may not have the resources to do what the three of you have been talking about today. How, how should they approach access control going forward? Let's let's make that be the final question. Yeah, I, I think, you know, just look, just like us, we have to understand what the end game is, right? Um, understanding what the needs of the company are is, is really important. Um, again, as we stated, there's a lot of technology behind those turnstiles. And Elon, the thing that you just showed is very impressive for, you know, data, you know, sourcing and things like that. Is that something that they need? Is that something they need to do? Um, I would I would reach out to professionals and and, you know, work with the companies that have done those things. Right. But it's important to understand what the end game is. What is it that we need to do for our tenants that will satisfy the ownership of that property, just like many others we've started down the road and we sort of veered off a little bit we came back 
Um, and it's been something that it was a learning process, I'm sure, for all of us. I think you really have to understand what the end game is first and then start uh, developing it from there. Yeah, that, that doorway into the building is, has got a lot of endpoints, and you got to know which ones you want to focus on first. Right. Yep. right. Joe, how I, about you? I would, I would say, uh, to echo Nick's comments, I would say don't be dogmatic about the solution that you have because, again, if you have your example of a 300,000-square-foot office building and you're trying to figure this out and you've got to listen to your customers, number one, but I think the answer, Jim, is very different if you have – one tenant that's taking 75% of your building, yep. or you have 10, 30,000 square foot tenants that don't necessarily care necessarily about everything that you, you may or may not offer. Um, and then, you know, you're going to make your, your own best decisions based upon the kind of technology that you, you want to put in to attract uh, your multi-tenanted building versus working with that other uh, tenant that has 75% of your building. Ilan, I'm going to have you tweak it just even a little tighter. So if those mid-sized companies, smaller portfolios, don't have the resources that, that, that you folks do, consultants, you know, integrators, where do they get their advice from? Consultants, access control providers too. I mean, you need to, I think that, you know, when you look at this and every piece of technology that you bring into the building, and this is a broader conversation, is, is almost like playing chess, right? You've got the immediate solution. Yes, you're opening my doors, but you know, what's the third, the third movement and the fifth movement that you're going to make is how can you use that data and what does that do own, not only from opening the door for me? Um, right. And that's, you know, it's between the technology that is, that is, that is going to extend for a amount of time. It's the integration into your other customers. It's the data analytics that it will provide you with um, all of those pieces uh, that you, that you want to have in there. Uh, and you need to either look at consultants or look also at, uh, at your access control provider that may be able to help you with, with bridging that gap. Right. Wow. We we're supposed to take 20 minutes. We took 30. No surprise. Um, it, it, this is a, a very important topic. And, and, you know, next time we'll talk about, you know, the, the near field communications, the BLEs, the U, you know, the universal wideband, the proximity wireless technology you need to get, you know, into the building. Elon, we're going to talk a little bit about with you with, the GPS integration with that. We're going to talk about application integration. And then last but not least, one of the topics I want to throw back on the table is privacy. You go over to China, they are opening doors with faces. They're paying for lunches with faces. Okay. They're, they're much further ahead than we are in facial recognition, but some people say that's okay because that can lead to some places we don't want to go. So those are going to be some more conversations that we'll have um, regarding this topic and, and, I really just want to say thank you for, number one, the hard work you do and the level of thought you put into these important topics, but most importantly, your willingness to come on and share um, your experiences to make it a little bit easier, hopefully, for, for the ones following behind you. So I really appreciate that. And uh, you've been thought leaders as long as I've known you, and uh, the industry uh, thanks you as well. So we will, we will be back with you as far as that next date. And until then, have a great weekend, and uh, we'll be in touch. Thank you very much. Thank, Thank you. Bye-bye. 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 All right. Yeah, you don't you don't get class a class panel like that. Uh, these are phenomenal professionals with a lot of experience. And um, just, again, want to say thank you. So with that, Howard, I apologize. We are a little late with the news, um, but I'm sure you're going to be able to get us through and uh, tell us what the heck is going on in other areas of real estate technology this week. Thank you. Oh, hey, thanks, Jim. Uh, Nick, Joe, Alon, thanks for joining us today. It was a great conversation. So I'll make this fast. So on to the news. Here's a couple of highlights from our weekly briefing, which goes out every Thursday morning. So 
Our leading article this week is from our tech partner, Don Gleaney, Senior Director at 111 Advisors and Altus Group. Uh, and it's entitled, How to Align Your Data Strategy with CRE Business Strategy. Hugely important topic. And in this article, Don not only stresses the importance of having a data stra strategy, but he also gets into what constitutes a data strategy? Why does it matter? He follows on with good detail on how to align your data and business strategies. In my humble opinion, it's fundamental to any data transformation journey. So great read. Thanks, Don. Next, uh, Digital Twin Technology got a shot in the arm this week. Uh, Willow, leading provider of Digital Twin Solutions, Microsoft teamed up to integrate the Willow Twin, twin platform on the Microsoft Cloud for sustainability. So this is gonna boost sustainability reporting on facilities with insights into carbon intensity and emissions and energy usage. And they can roll this up to the portfolio level. You, you might recall that Willow recently partnered with Procore to streamline the construction process from design to operations handover. Uh, and I, I personally, I'm really glad to see this level of integrations with Willow Twin now, really should help move the needle forward in terms of digital twin adoption. Also, just announced another uh, significant strategic alignment, Qualcomm just joined forces with Siemens Smart Infrastructure Group to bring 5G to smart HVAC building automation. Uh, they're using Qualcomm Snapdragon X55 5G modem to create private network services to better, for better security, low latency performance, et cetera. And this collaboration, I think, could usher in a new network architecture that could potentially include CBRA spectrum. So really keep an eye on this. Um, finally, massive photovoltaic solar array may uh, provide cover in up to 1,400 megawatts of electricity for a 270,000 square foot planned office building that Rushmark Properties is developing in Virginia Tech's campus near the West Falls Church Metro Station. This is a solar canopy. It's going to both power the building as well as provide shading. Uh, it's got one of a number of amenities expected to be seen in this Virginia Tech's Northern Virginia Center expansion. So we're going to be keeping a close eye on this project. So uh, that's just a few highlights. Uh, lots going on. Um, check these out more in the weekly briefing. And with that, I'm going to wrap it up. Have a great, yeah, great yeah. weekend. Back to well, you. Well, great, great. Uh, the yeah. one I want to bring a little attention to is the uh, Qualcomm uh, Siemens uh, merger. We've been you know, really getting a lot, spent a lot of time trying to dig into the 5G, 6G in-building private, private networks, CBRS conversation. And I've been waiting for Qualcomm to make a move just because we know they're interested in this topic. And I think this one is significant and I think there's going to be more to come. And, and you're spot on as far as ushering in a new potential architecture for in-building you know, networks. Uh, I think the next 24 months are going to be critical. Um, and, and I think we're going to have some answers, you know, two years from now. So. Does that mean that deploying a 5G network in a building is going to be as easy as, uh, you know, uh, as deploying Wi-Fi? Maybe. Should be. Why not? I mean, think about it. If they're both wireless technologies. One's been around for a while, been able to figure out a lot of the problems. It's yes, that's where it's going to get. Yeah, yeah. just radios and antennas. Yeah, just radios uh, and antennas. Yep, exactly. Just new ones with new issues and new potential, but a lot more things to unwind and, and rewind, if you will. So, mm -hmm. yep. All right. Thank you so much. Great job. All right. So um, before we wrap the show and talk about next week, let's hear from our final sponsor and I'll be right back. All right. First of all, I'd like to say thank you again to our guests, uh, three great professionals, uh, smart and willing to share. Uh, thank you to our sponsors and thanks to our Realcom team for this week's episode of Realcom Live. Always do a great job behind the scenes. So um, with that, uh, next week, just an immensely important topic, um, you know, workforces, work from home, mobility, work from anywhere. 
you know, uh, that doesn't extend just between, uh, you know, you and your local town. It means around the world. Uh, you know, working with people around the world is not a new topic. I mean, company people have been working with teams in India and other parts of the world for, you know, a couple decades now. But with the pandemic and increased technology and the upgrading of skills and people in some of these emerging countries, i.e. someplace like India, um, the workforce, uh, the way we organize workforces is changing radically. So next week, we're going to have a, a crazy important topic, distributed global workforces. Uh, what does that mean? How is it growing? What, what does that mean to an organization? Uh, how can I take advantage of strong IT skills um, you know, from people around the world? Uh, at a moment's notice. So they're working while I'm sleeping. <clears throat> and our confirmed guest is Justin Siegel, co-founder of Relay Human Cloud, and possibly Ruman Davidson may be joining him, the president and co-founder of Relay Human Cloud. So with that, I uh, wish you all a great uh, weekend, and we will see you next Friday. Be well.